0: Hello, I'm Michael Novogradic, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, March 21st, 2017. This week marks a year since Senator Maria Cantwell announced her proposals to expand the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit by 50% to promote broader income mixing in Low-Income Housing Tax Credit developments and other provisions. These proposals ultimately became the focus of the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Improvement Act of 2016. Cantwell also, at the time, released a report on the Low Compensing Tax Credit highlighting its accomplishments. And as you know, the legislation led the way to this year's announcement on March 7th of similar legislation that now has 14 co-sponsors in the Senate. By the way, I write about the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Improvement Act of 2017 in my column in the April issue of the Novograph Journal of Tax Credits. Be sure to check it out. And we also expect a similar bill to be introduced in the House this week. We'll report on that in next week's podcast. But for now, let's dive into this week's tax credit news. In our general section, I'll discuss the Trump administration's fiscal year 2018 budget request blueprint and what it could mean for affordable housing and community development. I'll also discuss the Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin's choice for his counselor on tax reform. Then I'll have an update and HUD Secretary Ben Carson's listening tour. In low-income housing tax credit news, I'll discuss a report on low-income housing tax credit developments in the San Francisco Bay Area. And in new markets tax credit news, I'm going to go over a study of Maine's state new markets tax credit and how it can be improved. And in our historic tax credit section, I'll discuss the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation's recent report on the National Historic Preservation Program. Then I'll have some state news from Alabama and Arkansas. One state took one step closer to reinstating its state historic tax credit. The other will soon see an increase in its state historic tax credit per project cap. And I'll close out with our Renewable Energy Tax Credit section, where I'll discuss what Representative Tom Reed has to say about the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit. After that, I'll outline a bill in Oklahoma that could end the state Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, as you've heard by now, the Trump administration on Thursday released its fiscal year 2018 budget request blueprint. The budget request calls for $1.1 trillion in discretionary spending. This includes a $54 billion increase in defense spending and an equal amount of cuts to non-defense spending. So if these proposed cuts were to pass as-is, which, by the way, is highly, highly unlikely, how would the blueprint affect affordable housing and community development programs? First, let's look at HUD. The administration proposes cutting HUD funding by $6.2 billion to just $40.7 billion. That's a 13.2 percent. Let me say that again. That's a 13.2 percent decrease from the annualized funding levels based on the fiscal year 2017 continuing resolution The proposal calls for eliminating several programs including the Community Development Block Grant or CDBG the Home Investment Partnership program and the Choice Neighborhoods initiative Eliminating certain programs would represent 4.18 billion of the 6.2 billion in cuts The remaining 2 billion in unspecified cuts are to be announced later Now, the budget proposal will also have a big impact on the Treasury Department. The administration calls for a $519 million, or 4.1%, cut to the Treasury budget. Basically, the blueprint would cut it to $12.1 billion. This includes eliminating discretionary grant programs for the Community Development Financial Institutions, or CDFI, fund. That amounts to $210 million, or a whopping 40.4%, of the overall cut to Treasury. For the New Markets Task group and other non-discretionary grant programs, the proposed budget blueprint would only leave administrative funding. Now you'll remember from last week's podcast that I discussed a leaked budget blueprint that was reported on by the Washington Post and the Hill. Those leaked documents detailed other proposed cuts that were not explicitly named in the administration's official blueprint. The cuts rumored through the leaked documents included $1.3 billion, or 68%, from the public housing capital account, and $600 million from the public housing operating fund, as well as $300 million from Section 8 tenant-based rental assistance, and there was more. Now again, those particular program cuts were not mentioned in the official White House blueprint, but they may be included in the $2 billion in unspecified funding cuts that the administration is proposing. Obviously, these across-the-board cuts to affordable housing and community development programs would be devastating to low-income and middle-income families and communities across the country. As I mentioned earlier, it's highly, highly unlikely that the blueprint will pass unchanged. Congress will likely make significant changes to the budget request. Still, any threat to affordable housing or community building initiatives should be taken seriously. Now, the Trump administration is expected to release a full, detailed program request in May. That should be around the same time that the Treasury Department will release an accompanying Green Book, a list of tax proposals. We have posted a copy of the budget request blueprint for you at www.hudresourcecenter.com. And you can read a blog post about the budget proposal by my colleague, Peter Lawrence, at www.novaco.com. Shifting gears now, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin recently appointed his counselor for tax reform. He is Justin Muzinich. Given the importance that the Trump administration has placed on tax reform, appointing a counselor for tax reform will provide focused attention on the issue. Muzinich is a former Morgan Stanley banker, and he's also the president of the international investment firm Muzinich & Company. The position of Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy another key player in tax reform in Treasury has yet to be filled but we'll keep you posted with any updates. Speaking of Trump's cabinet, HUD Secretary Ben Carson kicked off his listening tour in Detroit last week. I mentioned in previous podcasts that when Secretary Carson was going through his Senate confirmation process, he said he would conduct a national listening tour to hear from communities and HUD employees with boots on the ground. Carson, who is from Detroit, launched his listening tour at the Detroit High School named for him the Benjamin Carson High School of Science and Medicine. His audience included the mayor, students, and their parents. Carson said he wants to get involved in programs that, and I quote, will help elevate people rather than just maintain people, end quote. It remains to be seen what Carson's specific policy goals are, but affordable housing advocates see his willingness to do a listening tour as a first step in the right direction. In long housing tax credit news, the Haas Institute for a Fair and Inclusive Society at UC Berkeley released a report last week on long housing tax credit developments in the San Francisco Bay Area. The goal was to identify trends in Bay Area long housing tax credit developments from 1987 through 2014, roughly a 27-year span. In that time, 943 developments in the Bay Area were awarded long housing tax credit reservations. Those properties included nearly 87,000 apartments, and the federal tax credit total awards were $7.3 billion. The report found that housing developments financed by the tax credit in the Bay Area were fairly well distributed across the boundaries of opportunity. That means there's a mix of developments in areas identified as ones of very high, high, moderate, low, and very low opportunity. However, The report found that more than 61% of tax credit developments and awards were in areas where people of color make up more than 60% of the population. Another finding was that large family new construction properties were disproportionately placed in low-opportunity areas, where resources for young families are inadequate. Researchers say that as the state explores ways to strengthen the low-income housing tax credit, it's important to come up with a housing plan that combats systemic segregation and poverty a plan that would promote fair access to opportunities. You can find the report at www.taxcredithousing.com. In New Markets Tax Credit news, I'd like to discuss a report out of Maine that evaluates the effectiveness of the Maine New Markets Capital Investment Program. The state program was modeled after the federal New Markets Tax Credit. The report was done by the state's Office of Program Evaluation and Government Accountability. The report noted that the state New Market Tax Credit Program created or retained 764 permanent jobs, jobs that existed still as of 2016, as well as nearly 800 temporary jobs and more than 1,000 indirect permanent jobs. In addition, under the main New Market's Capital Investment Program, community development entities issued $194.2 million in qualified equity investments as of August 2016. While the state New Markets Tax Credit has created thousands of jobs and spurred millions in community investment, the report did say that the program lacks a standard way to gauge its cost-effectiveness. Some of the report's recommendations include improving the program design and creating ways to measure cost-effectiveness. If you want to read the report or learn more about your state's New Markets Tax Credit program, go to www.NewMarketsCredits.com. I also encourage you to reach out to my partner, John Shreddy, in our Dover, Ohio office with any new market tax credit questions you might have. In historic tax credit news, the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, or ACHP, recently released a report to analyze and to make recommendations about the National Historic Preservation Program. Now, ACHP is an independent federal agency that promotes the preservation of the country's historic resources and advises the President and Congress on National Historic Preservation Policy. The National Historic Preservation Program was enacted 50 years ago under the National Historic Preservation Act of 1966. And as I'm sure listeners are already aware, it was the National Historic Preservation Act that laid the foundation for the Federal Historic Tax Credit. And the Federal Historic Tax Credit is the largest federal investment in historic preservation. The program has aided in the rehabilitation of more than 41,000 buildings, created 2.3 million jobs, and leveraged nearly $118 billion in private investment. The ACHP's report includes 12 recommendations to advance preservation policies, including a call for Congress to support the historic tax credit during tax reform. The report adds that Congress should also advocate for improvements that would make tax incentives more effective and supportive of historic building reuse. To read the report, and it's titled The National Historic Preservation Program at 50, Priorities and Recommendations for the Future, go to www.historictaxcredits.com. And in other news from the ACHP, the organization will host its spring business meeting tomorrow and Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday in Washington, D.C. The ACHP will discuss a number of topics, including the new administration, Section 106 issues, and more. Turning to state news, a bill to reinstate the Alabama State Historic Tax Credit passed a Senate committee last week. The Alabama Senate Finance and Taxation Committee approved the bill by a 12-to-1 vote. The legislation would still reinstate the state credit program that expired last May. But some changes in the Senate legislation were significant. The changes included shortening the length of the program, From the proposed 10 years to 5 years, creating a sharing system to allocate the state credit evenly across congressional districts, and changing the age requirement for buildings from 50 years old to 75 years old. The National Historic Tax Credit, of course, has a pre-1936 provision, which used to be a 50-year-old provision, which is now an 80-plus-year-old provision. Now, it's important to note that a parallel version of the bill was also introduced in the State House of Representatives, and so far it's unchanged from the initial introduced version. Now turning back to the Senate bill, some of the major provisions in the bill did remain unchanged. The proposed state tax credit would have an annual statewide cap of $20 million. The individual transaction cap would be $5 million for non-residential properties and $50,000 for residential properties. And the state historic tax credit would be effective January 1, 2018. The state Senate bill had 28 co-sponsors, and the House bill had 88 co-sponsors. Those totals represented a majority of each House of the legislature, which suggests the legislation has a good chance of passing. You can see HB 345 and SB 262 at www.historictaxcredits.com. And if you have any questions about the bill, please reach out to Michael Kressig in our St. Louis office. In other state news the Arkansas State Historic Tax Credit will see a significant rise in its per-project cap for developments that begin after July 1st. The state legislature passed a bill earlier this month that raises the amount of qualified rehabilitation expenditures that the tax credit will apply to with respect to income-producing properties. The 25% Arkansas State Historic Tax Credit currently applies to the first $500,000 in qualified rehabilitation expenditures. For projects starting July 1 and later, the credit applies to the first $1.6 million. In other words, the cap goes from $125,000 per project to $400,000. The cap for non-income-producing properties remained at 25% of the first $100,000, which is obviously $25,000. You can see the Arkansas bill at www.historictaxcredits.com. It's SB 253. And if you have any questions... As I mentioned earlier, you can reach out to Mike Kressig in our St. Louis office. Also, you can reach out to my partner Tom Boccia in our Cleveland, Ohio office. In Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, Representative Tom Reed last week authored a blog post highlighting the success of the production tax credit and noting its great return on taxpayers' investment. Reed's a Republican from New York and is a longtime supporter of the production tax credit. His post was published on thehill.com, a website that focuses on politics and policy. In his blog post, Reid calls the production tax credit part of an all-of-the-above approach on energy policy. Reid pointed out that more than 100,000 Americans work in wind energy across all 50 states. Reid's blog post came at the same time as the release of a market forecast, that predicts an additional 240,000 jobs will be generated by the wind industry over the next four years. This forecast by Navigant Consulting was released with support from the American Wind Energy Association. Navigant forecasts $24 billion in annual economic impact from wind energy through the year 2020. The five-year phase down of the tax rate percentage, of course, ends at the end of 2019. Reed noted, that wind energy has attracted more than $140 billion in private investment in the past decade. Reid particularly pointed out the benefit to rural areas, since that's where most wind farms are built. He closed his comments by stating that this is the best possible outcome from the 2015 legislation that created a gradual phase-down of the production tax credit. Now, you can read the blog post at www.thehill.com. The headline is, Wind Energy Production Tax Credit a step toward an all-of-the-above energy plan. In State Renewable Energy Tax Credit news, a bill to end the Oklahoma Renewable Energy Tax Credit passed the State House and is now being considered by the State Senate. The Oklahoma Renewable Energy Tax Credit is worth a half a cent per kilowatt hour of electricity generated by renewable resources and it's refundable at 85 percent of its value and can be carried forward. The State Credit is slated to expire at the end of the year 2020, but the House legislation would end it July 1st. Now you may know Oklahoma legislators are facing a 218 budget shortfall that's estimated $878 million. Supporters of the bill for the early end to the Renewables Tax Credit cite the fact that the state paid out more than $54 million in tax credits for it in 2015, the last year for which they have totals. Opponents of the bill say it would hurt several projects in the state and pointed out that there aren't any bills to change the rate on gross production taxes for oil and gas. Now, the Senate version of the bill, which includes a sunset date of the end of 2018, has been reported out of committee. And a few weeks ago, Governor Mary Fallon released her budget for 2018, and it includes a provision to end the tax credit for this year. Her budget also included a tax on wind production at the same rate that the tax credit is given a half a cent per kilowatt hour. The tax proposal, if it goes to the legislature, would require a three-fourths majority with significantly higher threshold than the majority vote total needed to repeal the tax credit. The Oklahoma renewable energy tax credit went into effect back in 2001, and we'll keep you updated as the state senate considers the bill. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Just a reminder, the Novigradic 2017 Financing Renewable Energy Tax Credit Conference is coming up. Among other things, we're going to discuss the state of the investor market, pricing trends, and how comprehensive tax reform and the prospect of lower corporate tax rates could affect the renewable energy sector. The conference will be May 4th and 5th at the Palace Hotel in San Francisco. We do have a limited block of rooms that are reserved until April 10th. That's a little less than three weeks away. After that, reservations will be accepted on a space available basis only. You can register for the event at wwwnovacocom events. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik & Company LLP. Archived discussions are available online at wwwnovacocom forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogradic and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.